Abundant Masters podcast. I am your host, Ashley Ranasinghe. I'm so glad you joined us this week. Pivot Masters podcast is a podcast where we talk about people who are career pivoting, resources for career pivoters, tips, and support, general support for people who are trying to transition their careers, be it your first time or your 20th, like today's guests. Um, you are, yeah, just we, we believe firmly that career pivoting is on the rise and we should encourage this because it does make you a more diverse and uh, frankly it offers you the opportunity for a lot of growth and unique perspective which only adds value to your abilities and your professional skill set. So uh, we are here to talk with a guest today. So we do have different types of episodes. This episode type is a story, and I'll be interviewing my friend, Rachel Shaw. Rachel and I are our friends, and you'll notice we laugh a lot. Uh, so get ready to giggle um, and, and hear us giggle a lot. Uh, and if you can spot Claude, uh, please put it in the comments on the posts on our social media pages. So we're on Twitter and um, Instagram, Facebook. You can go to my LinkedIn profile, wherever you find Pivot Masters posts and let us know if you found Claude um, in today's interview. Because uh, I, yeah, I just kind of let him let him do his thing and you'll know who we're talking about. We'll kind of introduce Claude a little later in the call um, with Rachel. Rachel is an amazing human being. I love people like her. Um, so uh, we're showcasing another person who um, has that creative artistic side and then also that analytical side. And this person kind of explores those two aspects throughout their career. Um, and, and you'll see there's a lot of twists and turns. Um, so she does dance and, I, I, you know, I don't want to give it all away. So we're going to just hop right in, enjoy the show and see if you can spot Claude. So Rachel, Share with listeners a summary of your career so far. Sure. Yeah, it kind of um, kind of goes all over the place. Um, <laughs> You're in the uh, right place. <laughs> that's the impression I've gotten. Yeah, that's the impression I've gotten for sure, which is good. Which is good. But yeah, I, I kind of started um, seriously thinking about career stuff when I was maybe like preteen and kind of decided like, oh, I really like my dad brought home a Commodore 64 and I did like this programming thing um, mm. where I like programmed in basic on a Commodore 64, a horoscope program. It was mm. terrible and very buggy. <laughs> but I was very determined <laughs> because, you know, my dad, of course, said, well, you should just start with one horoscope per like sign. And I was like, mm. no, I'm not doing that. That's boring. Like, what if there are two Libras? Are you going to get the same like prediction? No, not doing it. And they're having three each, you know, so like coming up with 36 predictions and like trying to get that to program randomly and basic, you know, anyway. Um, so I was really interested in that. And then I was also really interested in dance and I decided when I was younger that dance would be the first thing that I really wanted to do because it's more age-based 
right? Like you can dance at any mm. age. Don't get me wrong. Like I totally support dancers of all ages, but in terms of training and like seriously focusing on something, it's important to do that for other than the people that are like on the fringe who are just amazing athletes or whatever, um, to really train that when they're younger. And so I really mm -hmm. focused on that. Um, I went to school and got my BFA in dance and choreography and decided that I loved choreography. I also got a BA in English while it was okay. there. So I had a like, you know, double major. So I've always yeah. had lots of interests, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> and actually I started a minor in voice and didn't Ooh. finish it because, I mean, I really loved it, but I realized like, oh, a minor in another art form that is un pretty much unrelated in terms of mm -hmm. coursework to my current major <laughs> is not the best plan because <laughs> both of them take a lot of time outside of class yeah. to practice and be good at and like really. So I decided after my freshman year, like, okay, I really love voice and singing, but I need to I need to focus on, on other things. And so I ended up doing the double major in English just because I really loved reading and writing as well. And it felt like a good balance. Um, yeah. So that's where I went from there. And then I had my, while I was in college, I had my own dance studio that I started. Um, that was like an hour and a half from where my college was. It was kind of out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so then when I graduated, I decided like, okay, I'm going to keep trying to grow this dance studio. And also I'm going to move. I decided to move to Charlottesville, which was where Charlottesville, Virginia, which is where I had gone to high school near there, but I kind of knew people. My dance studio was outside of Charlottesville. Um, but I moved into Charlottesville so that I could, cause there was more dance opportunities there. Right. Like I knew, sure. already knew some of the dance community there. So that made it a little bit easier. Uh, so yeah, so I did that. Um, I'm trying to think where I was going with this. Right. So dance studio moved into Charlottesville. Um, I grew the dance studio from like 12 students to 60 the next year, but nice. Yeah, it was, and it was really fun. I loved those kids so much. Uh, it was a really, really great like place to, that I wanted to continue to grow, but realized that that was taking up a lot more of my time. So I ended up not continuing with that. And like, they, I had someone else take over that, um, that like dance teaching part, but I kept teaching. I was just teaching at different places and not my own studio. In the meantime, I was also working full time. I ended up getting a job as an editor slash curriculum developer at a place called core knowledge. It's a nonprofit. It was for a reading program that the goal of the reading program was to bridge the gap between like underprivileged and more privileged students, which is really a problem. Um, mm. Because of, especially in reading and language, just when your parents aren't around as much because they have to be working or whatever your home situation is like, you hear less words, basically. And sure. your parents have less time to talk to you and all those things. So anyway, so I really loved working on that. I was there for three years while at the same time I was dancing in <laughs> three dance companies and then started my own dance company with my friend also named Rachel, though she spells it wrong without the <laughs> second A. <laughs> it's okay. We're still friends. And good, we good. called that company, <laughs> we called that company R squared. Okay. Yeah. Cause we're yeah. so, so witty. <laughs> 
Uh, we also both, hilariously, we also both had Toyota, or not Toyota, um, Ford Focuses at the time, Ford Focus hatchbacks. Mine yeah. was silver and hers was white. And we were, we had this whole idea to like get Ford to try and sponsor us. We never got very far with that, but we're like, <laughs> we both, we founded a company and we both have Fords, so. Yeah, why not? Sponsor us. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> Ford, if you're listening. (laughs) (laughs) Missed opportunity. (laughs) You guys, drop the ball. (laughs) Oh, but funny, also another funny thing, like mine didn't have a a sunroof, but hers did. But it was a hand crank sunroof. I don't think I've ever seen a hand crank sunroof before. What do you mean a hand crank? (laughs) There was like a little gear and she like had to crank it up. The way the window used to go down? But like on the (laughs) ceiling. And the funny thing was her windows were electric. (laughs) Even better. So so like you could put the windows down like with the electric thing, but you had to crank the sunroof open. Like, man, they're just trying to encourage good health, right? Keep you keep you moving, <laughs> stretching. At least in that right arm, right? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> keep that muscle down. So uh, we're at R squared. We've got R squared going on. Right. And three dance companies that you're yeah, performing I kind of danced with. in more than that, but a lot of them were small. And um, I would only do like one performance, but there were three that Gosh, I was dancing with regularly. Like underachiever, really. <laughs> I know I don't do enough. Uh, definitely, that's that's where I was going with that. <laughs> um, and actually, during that time, during the summers, two of the summers that I was doing that, I was in an arts carnival also, and that was really fun. Doing that what? Was, so, let's see, the first year, I was just... So, wait, let me back up. For both of them, all performers needed to be in the whole thing. So you might not be performing in the whole thing, but you would be running concessions or doing another like vendor type thing. Like there was a kiss booth and it just, kissing booth was like literally a person wore a sign around their neck that said kissing booth. And you could give them, (laughs) like they sold tickets and you give them a ticket to like get a kiss basically. Right, right. So you had to be doing something the whole time. Um, In terms of performing, performing, like, and you're supposed to have your own, so you're supposed to have a character that was the carnival, the character that you were in the carnival. And then the character in the carnival needed to have the character that they were playing in whatever pieces you were in. So that like, when you were at the concession stand, you were just your character, not yourself, I but see. your regular character. And then if you were in a, in another show, you needed to be a character on top of a character, a character playing another character. Like, huh. Wow. Um, and so this is like that, some kind of method acting kind of yeah, thing kind of yeah. I guess yeah. I you know they took us through some stuff but I didn't I didn't I didn't know enough about theater at the time to really know mm-hmm. like what we were doing and they might have said but I don't remember <laughs> um <laughs> uh yeah so the first year I was in the burlesque part and also in this like kind of it's kind of my first experience with Ariel's ish um mm. someone built things that were kind of like trapezes <laughs> they were like bars suspended by climbing rope so like metal bars is so it's kind of yeah so i did a little yeah. bit of that okay um and then <laughs> uh so that was the first year and then the second year i was in um the fire dance maybe just a fire dance no, I was also in the aerial thing that year. I choreographed. So they found they found a cargo net like used in like with ships and to do 
get big, big cargo, I don't know, but like a big cargo net and right. suspended it from the ceiling. And I choreographed like an improv improvisational choreography thing for myself and another dancer. So we're like up above people's heads. Whoa. Um, yeah. And we actually started out like almost like in a cocoon. And because the cargo net stretched out so much and two of us with both of our weight in the middle, like people could actually poke us and did poke <laughs> us before we started moving. It's Perfect. Pretty, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's what I did in the arts carnival. They were always really fun. Uh, we were, they, they paid the performers and everything. We always perform, we always sold out and performed several weekends in a row. Hmm. Cause there's so like a lot of people were in it and also people really enjoyed it because it was interactive in some ways. Like, uh, like you would, they would move the performance around. It's in this old warehouse that was empty and they would move the performance around in different areas. Yeah. Um, but the warehouse was open ish. Like it was open enough that you could have the fire dancing in it. <laughs> right. So they didn't have right. to go outside or anything. Um, so that was also while I was doing those other things uh, in the summers. And then I kind of felt like I got to a point when I was living in Charlottesville, I was there like four or five years, where I, my choreography and my dance and just my life kind of felt like it had stagnated a bit. I felt like I needed a push that I wasn't getting mm-hmm. there and that I couldn't really find for myself. I couldn't really figure out what it was. So I applied for grad schools for dance. Uh, and I ended up going to, <laughs> okay, one other funny story. So <laughs> I applied to a couple of places and then what, the one place that I applied to university of Utah, they have a really good program, but that was kind of like my backup school. It wasn't the one that I was thinking that I wanted to go to. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up just going, so for all MFA programs, if it's performance and choreography heavy, you have to go for an in-person audition like you you can't just apply like you have to go and so I decided that was kind of like my weird one so I was like well there looks like they're having like an audition in New York let's go there you know I'll go to the one in New York I was living in Virginia it made more sense so went there and one of the one professor that was there doing the audition at the very end was asking like do you does anyone have any questions does anyone you know I think there were only like four or five of us there and uh at one point he said uh yeah, I mean, I just don't know about people that don't actually come out for the audition. Like, if they haven't seen the place, I just don't think they should come. And I just remember <laughs> thinking, like, well, I guess none of us got in. Right? Like, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> uh, and I'd actually been, like, while I was there, right after the audition, I got a phone call from Mills College saying, like, we want you to come. We're going to give you a scholarship. Like, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And then... Two weeks later, I get a uh, like a letter from the University of Utah saying I've been admitted, and <laughs> not only that, <laughs> but they're going to give me a scholarship to Integrated Movement Studies, which does the Certified Laban Movement Analysis Training Program. I was going to get a scholarship to that, and also mm-hmm. like half funding for the grad program. <laughs> um, and I was really interested in Laban Movement Analysis, and really wanted to do that, and so I decided. That and that was something that happened in the summer, so it didn't happen during the year. Mm-hmm. So I decided that I would go to the University of Utah. It was also going to be less expensive because Mills is private, and even though I was getting scholarship, it wasn't really covering as much. So right. anyway, ended up going to the University of Utah. It was the right decision. Got my got certified in Laban Bartinia movement analysis. Did that, and then right after grad school, 
I ended up getting a temporary professor, like lecturer, full-time lecture thing at the University of Wyoming in their theater and dance department. Yep. That yep. lasted two years, and that was that was so amazing to do right after grad school. It's pretty rare that that happens, and I felt really fortunate. Mm-hmm. That was fun. I had a really good time with that, although Wyoming is cold. <laughs> so cold. Just a touch. The coldest I've ever been in my life. Uh, I remember waking up in the winters, and, you know, my husband at the time, we would look at the, the weather and be like, okay, how much below zero is it today? Not below freezing, <laughs> below zero. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, so cold all the time. Um, so, yeah, I... Did that for two years, loved the teaching part, made some really good, like, progress with that. And then while I was doing that, and, like, also while I was at the end of my grad school thing, I was still working as a curriculum developer contract, but this time for Scholastic Mm -hmm. uh, book clubs. They were, yeah. they were doing a similar reading program to what Cornellage had been doing. Not, not the same, but like, it was like similar ideas. So I was very familiar with it. So I did that. I was doing that at the same time. Cause the assistant lecturer position, uh, unsurprisingly did not pay very much. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I was doing that at the same time to kind of fill in the gaps. And then I ended up going to Atlanta, Georgia, and I was... See, I taught adjunct at Agnes Scott College and Brunel University while I was there. Did I teach at another university? No, (laughs) just those two. (laughs) And then I taught at, uh, like, a bunch of dance studios there as well. Sure. Ended up doing some, like, administrative assistant, executive assistant type work for one of the, the nonprofit dance company that I worked for. And that was, that was good. I was there for two years and I really liked the people there. I did feel like Atlanta wasn't really the place that I wanted to be. I was starting to feel a little bit like just tired in general. Like, okay, yes, if I continue at this pace for another five years, I could probably have a job like full-time tenure track job as an assistant professor. Do I want to do that for another five years? (laughs) I'm already (laughs) pretty tired. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of decided that Maybe not. And I had been thinking about moving to Austin. So I applied for a job as a director at ID Tech. Did that for a summer. Yep. And that was fun. And I really like got into the idea of leadership. I was like, this is like teaching, but different. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then thought like, okay, so I'm going to take education, leadership and combine them. So like I was an assistant director at a private preschool mm-hmm. for a while. Um, that did not work out well. I, um, unsurprisingly, preschools are often underfunded. Yeah. <laughs> Education yeah. is underfunded in general. And it was not a great work environment. So, and I, I worked really hard to make it better. And for my people, it was better, but not for me and not for my colleagues. So right. uh, I ended up leaving that and <laughs> through a friend, got a job teaching aerial dance, like silks and trapeze and hammock to youth. 
As you had do. I ever, yeah. Had I ever done aerials before? Not really. <laughs> and I was very clear with, you know, the youth director at the time. Like, yeah. okay, you know I haven't done aerials before. I have a lot of experience teaching kids, but like, not aerials. <laughs> <laughs> that's not, a, you know, something I've done. So I kind of went through a process with them and um, ended up, you know, learning aerials, to, to teach aerials, and then... Yeah, got really into doing just aerial work in general. And the, that company is awesome. Sky Candy Austin here is great. Uh, I guess not here. I'm in Delaware right now, but <laughs> where I live in Austin. <laughs> um, and really loved being there. Really liked the environment. So I ended up within like a year and a half moving into the director of the youth program. And then pretty shortly after that, uh, the program director, so directing all of the programs and also overseeing all of the teachers, all the staff, uh, not staff, just teachers, I guess, sure. and the curriculum and all of that. Um, it felt like a really good blend of all the things that I wanted to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, I was there for about a year and then realized like, oh, I've kind of gone as far as I can with this. Like I'm in the four, like in the group of four directors mm-hmm. at Sky Candy and there's not like, there's not a direct path to like, like, yeah, of course I can continue to grow in what I'm doing, but there's not a direct path to like continue anywhere. Like there's not a bigger aerial studio. Right. <laughs> there right. aren't even that many bigger ones. Like, and like a lot of like, I could move to San Francisco, maybe it'd be bigger, but I don't want to do that either. So kind of decided like, <clears throat> all right, I want to, I want to go back, do something like, what do I want to do next? Um, and then remembered that I really liked programming when I was a kid. Right? <laughs> yeah, that horoscope program to that hor- comes horoscope. back, <laughs> yeah. much like a horoscope does. I don't know if it comes back. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, so I was like, okay, well, did a bunch of research, ended up going. Okay, I'll be honest. I lost Rachel for a hot second, um, and she said she went to a coding boot camp, but I didn't want to stop her because she was so in the flow. All right, let's get back to the story. Graduated the boot camp in six months learning, you know, full stack development, JavaScript with React, Node, Express, a bunch of stuff. Yep. And then ended up getting a, an internship and then now I am working as a front-end developer at Keat Health, which is a place that is making, we're making a, an app for physical therapists, which is neat. And that patients. is neat. Hmm? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and in between there, when I needed to make a little more money, I would go back to the curriculum development stuff. I did that with ID Tech a little bit with some like, mm-hmm. with some programming stuff and with, um, I think there was an Instagram course that I did. Uh, and I, oh, I wrote a book, a decodable book for second graders. <laughs> fun. <laughs> that was really fun. It was like playing with words, you know, cause decodable meaning like they can sound them out, but they're learning right. the different sounds. So anyway, so yeah, that's my, there's other stuff in there, but I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a good like <laughs> encapsulation. <laughs> oh, one that's fun though, is I was in college, I was a security guard at the freshman dorms. 
<laughs> All right, guys, I know this is an audio podcast, but if you could see Rachel. <laughs> I... <laughs> Low center of gravity. I mean, we're both, you know, under. I think you've, you're similar in height to me, right? Like, how tall yeah. are you? I'm five foot two on a tall day. That's right. Me too, baby. <laughs> I mean, like. Right, I could tackle you at the knees, right? And <laughs> slow you down a bit, maybe. <laughs> no, I was very scary. That was when in my goth days. I wore like my spike bracelet. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if I was really that scary. I like to think I was, but who knows? <laughs> I don't actually know if I was. <laughs> I love it. I mean, even if they just put you behind like a desk, that's kind of like ominous a bit, you know. The and desks were elevated, at least in the one hall, they were elevated. There you so go. I looked very, yeah. I looked a lot taller. Unless <laughs> someone was standing next to me that was also working behind the desk, and then I didn't look that tall. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, <laughs> wait, was this during your undergrad or undergrad? School? Undergrad. Okay. It was a great so job. Yeah, but like, okay, all right. So I'm looking at my nose here, right? Because <laughs> I'm like, how are you fitting this all in? <laughs> I often ask myself the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, okay. All right. <laughs> I get it. Um, <laughs> I, I love this, right? Because it's, I, I mean, I can resonate with your story, right? And I mean, I think that's part of our bond with one another. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if you can't tell, um, I'm sure you can, but we know one another. <laughs> we are friends. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. All right. So I want to rewind a, a bit and then Sounds we'll good. kind of work our way back to where you are today. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, um, <sighs> Okay, first off, <laughs> it you said that you started the dance studio while you were still in college? Yes. So how does that work, right? <laughs> like, if I want to start a dance studio, how, how do I go about this? <laughs> That's a really big question. But in my case, <laughs> there was an art center that was looking for someone to start a dance studio in their center. Okay. So mm -hmm. I was, I was starting, it was, I was totally, not totally separate. Obviously I was using their space, but I did everything for my, as a, like as a studio. Normally if I wanted to start a dance studio, I would need to find a space and probably modify it unless it was already a dance studio at, you know, and like, there's like lots of steps that I would have to take. But uh, luckily in my, in my case, there was just a place that wanted a, that was looking for someone to start a dance studio at their art center that already existed. So. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, I, I mean, I know this hasn't been a clear part of your career trajectory, but an overarching theme, right? Even if we're talking about that horoscope <laughs> program that you did as a kid, right? Like, there's something about you that naturally gravitates to project management and really 
strategic thinking as far as planning. Um, I know this because we've worked together, (laughs) but I mean, even, (laughs) but even just hearing like that story, you're like, no, I can't just have one horoscope for Virgo, right? Like we need (laughs) options here. Let's think this through people. Right. Um, (laughs) and, and, and that's been consistent throughout your career, right? I, I mean, from curriculum and, but also, um, like teaching, um, and, and different jobs that you've had, you just have kind of a, maybe it's process oriented. Is that maybe, does that feel right? I, you know, I, um, I've never thought of myself that way necessarily, but I have been told similar things by other people about the process thing. I remember being in a meeting with the other three directors at the time at Sky Candy and, we were talking about some really tough issue. I don't, I don't remember what it was. And I was kind of processing. And one of the other directors was like, Rachel, I would love to hear your like perspective, like process oriented perspective on this. So like, yeah. so I've definitely been told that before. And I think that does resonate, but it's one of those things that like, I had never, I wouldn't have thought to describe myself as maybe because it is so feel so integrated that it doesn't seem like an interesting characteristic maybe, or like one that is like, I don't, I don't know. Um, I'm not sure. Hmm. If you were to think about it, do you think those skills appear in your dance and choreography career as well? Or is it kind of separate from there? Oh gosh. Yes, they did for a while. That was actually was holding me back as a choreographer Mm -hmm. was I was too process. I was too, and by process in this case, I mean like structure oriented, like this first part will be the build. The second part will be, you know, I like planned it all out to to the point where there was no real breathe. There wasn't the kind of breathing space that I needed to make a piece of art. Uh, I I remember, (laughs) and you know, it like kind of fit together, I guess. But I remember at one point, one of my I loved all of my thesis people, but one of them, in a very caring way, looked at me and said, do you know when something's working? Because my piece was <laughs> not working and it hadn't been working from the beginning. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so what I did was I asked one of my, one of the people in my cohort to come. Can I curse? Yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> this is what I asked her to do. I said, uh, I want you to come in and I want you to fuck my dance up. <laughs> I need to. And, and the, th- the thinking was like, I need to see this in a different way. Like right now, I'm so stuck in this way of thinking about my piece. I can't even think how to change it in a way that would be productive. So like, I want right. you to come in here and you're going to be the choreographer for the night and you're going to just move things around and like change it however you think, whatever's interesting to you. And maybe I'll keep it. Maybe I won't. I ended up keeping it actually pretty much all her changes. Hmm. Um, and built on them, but I mean, it was great. It went from a 20 minute piece to an eight and a half minute piece. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. So, yeah. So yes, I would say that it definitely has, and I have to be careful about that because sometimes I get Mm -hmm. so stuck in the structure that I don't, in terms of my creative work, I would not say this is true of other types of work trying to think if that's a lie but no I think that's true but definitely with my creative work I have to be careful that I'm not putting things too much into boxes and then right. putting them into place that need, need that you know 
the art that I make needs that room to breathe. Otherwise, it's kind of boring, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) I can say that about my own work. It's fine. (laughs) All right. So (laughs) I'm actually, I'm like, my brain is like, where to go next? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um. You know what, there's, it's, it's as if like, there's kind of these two paths, right? There's this creative career path that you've been on, right? And, and, and exploring, and then there's this, like, academic path, maybe is the right definition that are (laughs) at the same time, because you're holding multiple jobs throughout, <laughs> throughout your career. <laughs> yeah. Um and I laugh cuz it's I mean yeah, it it people do this, right? I've done this and and there are you know, I've interviewed other career pivoters who who do this, right? Yeah. And we have like these kind of two things, a duality that's going on. Um yeah, it it'll be interesting to see you know, how those things converge for you um, and when they do. Um, I want to go back to the creative career path a little bit. Okay. So first thing is if I'm a listener and I, I want to look you up, I want to see some of the work that you've done creatively within the dance world. How do I, how do I find you? I guess now I used to have a website, but it was very outdated. So I took it down, but uh, probably the best, I have some videos still up on Vimeo. Mm-hmm. And then I am currently on Instagram. I don't have any of my previous creative work up on there, but like, you know, when we were in the studio, I had lots of like trapeze and hammock stuff that I was working on or harness work. And now, well, not since I got the plague, but before I was working on handstands and backbends and stuff like, so like some of that stuff is, is on Instagram. Yeah. Do you want to be found right now? Yeah, I'm fine with being found. My Instagram is public. So yeah. Is, is Claude's public? Claude's is public too. My cat's is also public. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, like, but you have to know her cat. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, amazing. He's the best cat yeah. in the world. <laughs> I've had a lot of cats too, and this is the best cat in the world. That's why he I has mean, an that's Instagram. like a goal of yours, right? Is to be like a, the quintessential cat lady, right? Yeah, crazy like, cat lady. I'm getting there. Yeah, there you go. I got three cats. <laughs> You're working on it. I'm working on it. I <laughs> <laughs> love it. Um, <laughs> so. <clears throat> Okay, so there are some options for us to be able to view the work that you've done. I know this might seem weird, but are you able to articulate a description of the style of work that you've done in the dance world? Yeah, I mean, mostly in the dance world, it's been what we might call modern in the U.S., we would call it modern dance. In Europe, it would probably be called contemporary, but it is not what we consider contemporary in the U.S. Those are kind of different things. Mm. 
they're starting to overlap a little bit more now. Uh, it's it's hard. Like I guess it's hard to give it an, a name so much, but it is like the idea. Like you know, if you know, like dance stuff, like flow release technique is in there, and uh, so I'm not doing like gram. I'm not doing like the more structured repertory technique type things. Uh, there's definitely mm-hmm. like kind of um, a mixture of lots of stuff in there that is more about kind of flowing from one thing to the next, hence flow release. How little energy mm-hmm. do you need to use to accomplish something? Yeah, I mean, I've seen some of your work and the one word that comes to my mind is organic. Oh, right? yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or, or yeah, like you described like that struck that structure and repetition, it seems. I love repetition. Less man. in play. <laughs> Over it. <laughs> um, okay. So, so there's this portfolio of work that you've done in a variety of different settings, right? From with the carnivals, the arts carnivals, you've done, thesis projects now um (laughs) you've had just this whole kind of yeah a whole career of working in the dance world and simultaneously you were building a portfolio or body of work around curriculum design um and an editorial work correct yes that's correct okay so as an english major how did you end up in curriculum design and why was that appealing to you? So as a dancer, I started teaching pretty young or assistant teaching when I was 16 at the local studio. Mm -hmm. And I also during one summer worked at a, preschool Mm -hmm. and I've always liked hanging out with kids Hmm. so there was so I ended up at this particular job because of a roommate and because I had my BA in English and I was good at English like writing and all that kind of kind of stuff but but the reason that I that I really loved that job is Um, I guess that's a job where I really could use a lot of that like process oriented stuff like you were talking about, right? Like, you know, thinking about defining words for kindergartners, like, okay, here, the definition of this word is this, but do they know all of the words that we're using to define it? Or do we need to define it a different way? Or how could we define this using movement? How could we define it? You know, like what kind of activities could we do to like reinforce it, you know, and got super into Bloom's taxonomy, which is this like... You know, the first level is being able to just like memorize a thing and second level, you know, and you get like all the way to synthesis where you can teach someone else it. Right. Or however you. Right. That's one way of synthesizing. So I think that was a part of it for me. I also just felt really I've always had this. I guess it's the Libra in me where I've always wanted things to be, quote, fair. Hmm. And so I really loved this idea that we were really working to help people because it's not like what they found in a lot of studies was that it's not that like people weren't having trouble decoding, like literally looking at the words and being able to pronounce them, but they just didn't have the background knowledge that they needed to understand what it was saying. And so this reading program was hoping to like 
bridge those knowledge gaps in underrepresented populations so that it would give them more a leg up later in life. So there's this idea of like, that I really liked about making things more even by mm-hmm. focusing on one area, you know? So there are a couple things, I guess, that, that kept me there, right? Because I got the job and then I was there for three years and then I worked for them off and on lots of years after that doing contract work. Um, so I really believed in it. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hmm. I, you know, during all of this time where you're doing that work and you've got also the dance stuff happening, at some point you decide to dabble in entrepreneurship again and you started R2 with your friend Rachel. Um, do you feel like that was a moment of conversion with maybe <laughs> your <laughs> curriculum and education kind of side and your creative side? Or am I just misreading this? That's an interesting question. I'm not 100% sure. I do know that Rachel and I were really, we were close friends and we worked together really well. And all of the things that I didn't want to do in terms of starting a company, she did and vice versa. And so it was like, it was a really nice fit in that way. And I think we honestly wanted to make our own work and be able, like I was making, we were both making our own work already, but showing it in showcases. And we eventually wanted to get Mm -hmm. to the point where we were making maybe an evening length piece together, but separately, right? Like somehow integrating we had really different dance styles and that kind of thing um so I guess kind of but Mm -hmm. I didn't like I'm trying to remember what I did other than the choreographing I did a lot of stuff but I think I helped create the website and some Hmm. of those those kinds of things some foreshadowing (laughs) <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, <laughs> like working yeah. on Dreamweaver or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But, and she handled mostly, she handled money and some other things like that. Like, she got like our fiscal sponsorship. We did it a lot together, but, you know, one of us would head up different things. Yeah. Yeah, I think we just really wanted to work together and we really wanted to be producing our own shows. Mostly. Yeah. And that was yeah. uh that was kind of a way to do that. Just to right. start our own company. Oh. I mean, that makes sense, right? And I mean, at this point in in your journey, right? You're 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 working in, in all these different avenues, right? So there's obviously this kind of fluidity with your schedule and right you know things are a little bit different than maybe the average person's nine to five scenario (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah which can open up opportunities for sure okay we are going to take a quick break and we'll be back in a moment Hey guys, I am going to talk to you a little bit about crystal palette management. If you are looking to make a change in your career, or let's say you're a business owner and you'd like to give 
your displaced employees a leg up on their job search, I can help. I'm Ashley, the host of Pivot Masters Podcast and owner of Crystal Palette Management. CPM will write custom resume and cover letters, LinkedIn profiles. We even have custom email templates to help you throughout your job search journey. I also offer one-on-one and group career coaching. So if you need a little help getting through this next leg of your career journey, I'm here for you. I started CPM in 2016. We are operating and growing and I would love the chance to help you out. So feel free to reach me. You can follow the link in the description of our episode today or go to crystalpalettemgt.com. Listeners of Pivot Masters Podcast get 10% off of their purchase with CPM if you just say Pivot Masters. I look forward to working with you and I can't wait to hear more about your career journey. Thanks so much. Okay. So you've mentioned earlier uh, when you were going through just all of your experience that (laughs) you... (laughs) your stuff um something movement analysis uh, but some of us are like myself completely in the dark so can you explain what that is and yeah tell us teach us yeah of course that's a great question I it's funny when I used to say that to people, people would hear the movement analysis part, which is the part that makes sense that you hear, right? If you don't have a background or maybe like, are you analyzing me right now? <laughs> I'm like, I, I can, but no, that's not, well, that's not what I was doing. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so what that is, is all right. I'll start at the beginning ish. There was this guy called Rudolf Laban. He's German. And there's lots of stuff I could go into about him. But the biggest thing to know about him is he was a big movie. He liked movement, um, eventually Mm -hmm. got into dancing, like started out in the army or something, but felt that dance was undervalued as an art form. You know, and arts are already undervalued, but felt that like dance was like the redheaded stepchild or, you know, whatever that phrase is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so he thought, Hey, one of the things that he thought was, okay, if we can find a way to kind of pull movement apart, all movement, not just dance, but all movement apart, and talk about the body as specifically as we talk about other things, not just the body, like obviously we already had like anatomy and things like that, but actually like how movements worked. If we found, if we could find a way to be able to look at all movement, and what it means, not necessarily just anatomy and like body wise, but, but how all of them are connected to values and things like that. And then be able to very specifically write, like notate music or music, dance and -hmm. movement, the way that we can notate music that, that would, so that people could read it. Right. Mm. That because you felt that writing was very valued that if we could write and read 
movement, same way we do music, it would be, it would have, it would hold more value. Hmm. So with that came kind of ended up coming out of that two separate things. One of them, I don't remember who it was spearheaded by, but that is known as Laban notation. And that is a super specific way of analyzing and writing down movement that like, it's like the degree that your second, like your second finger points to what direction. I mean, it's like, it's very Mm. specific and like notates the whole body that way. That's known as Laban notation. And then the other thing that came out of that was basically spearheaded by Ermgard Bartiniev, who was a physical therapist, dancer, worked with Rudolf Laban. uh, And she really developed what we now call um, Laban Bartiniev movement analysis. So that's looking more at the overall, we say meaning, but that's going to be specific to the observer and to the person being observed. So you can't, it's not like a one-to-one thing, right? It's not like, oh, if you cross your legs this way, that means you have to be like, okay, well, who is this person? What context are they in? It's not, you know, all of those things are really important in when you're analyzing the movement, when you're looking at the person. Hmm. Uh, And, you know, one of our big things was you are communicating all the time with your body. You may as well be intentional about it. So a lot of it was learning what our own preferences and tendencies were in terms of movement, not just for ourselves, but what we saw in other people as positive, negative, whatever. Right. And uncoupling that from the positive, negative thing and saying like, no, you don't have to be able to do literally the whole, well, you should be able to do literally the whole range of things, tones, Mm -hmm. ideas, whatever. You don't have to do it all the time, but it shouldn't feel uncomfortable. So an example Mm -hmm. of that would be Someone maybe who feels pretty timid and um, doesn't speak up very often, being able to speak up when they need to without it feeling uncomfortable. Right. So it's not about, like, so as a movement analyst, it wasn't about changing myself. I mean, it was, but it was about growing all these parts that maybe hadn't had the opportunity to be fed, I guess. It's a way to talk about it. And then recognizing that in other people, like, by experiencing it, by watching ourselves, watching each other, being able to then watch other people. And this has a ton of applications. It's used a lot in dance, obviously, but you know, like there was, there's like a whole like prenatal version of it. Uh, like that oh, was applied yeah. to like prenatal stuff. There's a, a person who took part of the, part of the system. We call it the system. Laban movement, Laban Martini of movement analysis system. So the system for short. And mm-hmm. applied it to job interviews and being able to say like, yep, this is the type of person that you would need based right, on like right. these qualities that I'm seeing from them. Um, yeah, it's applied in a lot of different things, not just not just dance, although also dance. And, um, so that's what that is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's hearing you describe it, right? I immediately connect how we teach early programming skills to to children, right? Or not even just children, but people who are completely new to programming, right? And, you know, there's that classic 
programming lesson, right? Where it's like, tell me how to make a sandwich. And you have the students like tell you how to make, and they're like, put the peanut butter on the bread. And you just put the jar of peanut butter on top of a loaf of bread, right? (laughs) Right. (laughs) And like having to like teach them, you really have to break this down. We have to think on a different level. Um, and it's just funny to me that like for you, that was the <laughs> the thing that came first in your career, right? Is this really complex, in-depth analysis of 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 how our bodies are used in different contexts, right? Yeah. And then um <laughs> and now you're like <laughs> in the computer world right. yeah. um yeah yeah I love that I, has that has that come up for you just naturally like that connection between those two I don't parts of your history maybe not maybe not those particular two but definitely I it, I found it useful being able to break things down I've noticed uh, a lot of many people that I know in um, that are engineers and mm-hmm. have mostly only been engineers. They have a hard time recognizing when someone doesn't have, say, the background knowledge or doesn't have the like breakdown of it. I remember someone was trying to teach this class that was like a framework on top of JavaScript or something. And um, they said it was like for beginners. And I get in there and I was like, oh, this isn't really for beginners. Like you have to know JavaScript. They're like, no, there's no prerequisites. It's like, well, no, you actually have to know JavaScript and you have to know... <laughs> You have to know what HTML is and CSS and how they work together. You have to understand like what a component, you know, like there are definitely those things. And so uh, at the end of the class, I remember this one woman asking this question and basically what she was asking was, can I create a website from scratch using HTML and CSS? (laughs) Because she'd only (laughs) ever done it with WordPress, right? And this, this guy's trying to answer her about this like particular framework and like, you know, and, I, and she was just getting more and more confused and he was not understanding how to answer. And I was finally like, yes, you can do that here. Let me show you. It's right. Like, cause I'm able yeah. to like hear that and listen for that and look for that. And I think that that's true both in movement analysis and education in like a lot of the things that I've done. Um, yeah. But I don't know if I'd made that connection between specifically movement analysis and, and engineering. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. All right. So, um, <laughs> so you've I, I want to kind of skip forward a little bit and if there's any part in your career history that we skip over that you really want to make sure that we point out you just tell me okay okay sounds good okay so I, I do want to move up to the point where you decide you're ready for a change you're in uh, Atlanta but you've got your eyes on Austin yep how do you go from, hey, I want to go to Austin <laughs> to like, <laughs> oh, and I have this curriculum background and this dance background. Let me apply to direct a tech camp for kids, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> what happened here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Walk us it's through good, that a little it's bit. A good question. Yeah. I um actually had known about ID Tech for a long time. My brother worked as an instructor turn director I think in like 2005 mm-hmm. or something like forever ago and then my he only worked there for one summer and then my sister worked mm-hmm. there several summers and I'd always thought like oh this would be such like such a great like summer job because it's just yeah. in the summer and I a lot of my teaching happens during school year but it never never really worked out because of like lots of various reasons you know one, one summer I was like 
moving to Utah. Another summer I was still doing IMS. Another summer I was moving to Wyoming. I was moving to Georgia. You know, like there just never was like Mm -hmm. a good time for it to happen. (laughs) And I thought, and I was kind of looking at Austin. I was like, oh, they have some locations in Austin. Like I'll apply for this thing. Um, Mm -hmm. And directing seems like the thing to do because I don't really know a lot about tech at this point in my life. And, but I really like teaching. I really like supporting teachers and um, that's a thing that I would love to like do more of. And so it kind of felt like, okay, this summer would give me a chance to like try out this leadership thing a little bit more, try out Austin a little bit more, you know, mm-hmm. that, that kind of thing. And I'd heard a lot of good things about ID tech from my brother and sister already. So I had like a sense of what that might be like. Yeah. 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 And, you know, based on your earlier description, it sounded like that experience you left that experience kind of looking at your career direction a little bit differently, right? Because you moved on to working with that preschool and in a leadership role, right. that kind of stuff. Um, so what was it about that particular experience? I'm not fishing here. I'm, <laughs> I, I'm, <laughs> I'm like trying to word this in like a really fair way. Right? <laughs> I'm, I'm saying, but like, what was it about that experience that, that drew you in, right? Caught, kept your attention long enough because you've had lots of experiences where you've decided, okay, I'm going to be intent with, with something in a similar path. Yeah. I mean, uh, do you mean in terms of like leadership stuff? That's what you're talking about right now or I believe so. Yeah. Unless there's something else that's coming to mind for you. No, no, no. That was what I was thinking of. I wanted to make sure we weren't going like a step ahead uh, to Mm -mm. tech. So yes, actually I, at that point, kind of, as I mentioned, but I didn't go into a whole lot. I was very tired of teaching at that point. I mean, I had been teaching, depending on the time of year, I was teaching 20 to 30 classes a week that were some of them different, some Holy of them cow. the same, some of them similar. I accidentally taught the wrong class to a jazz class one time because I just thought I was like, <laughs> just forgot where I was in my syllabus and it was fine. Like yeah. my class did really well. I remember them like kind of struggling and looking at me like I was crazy when I was like, did you think I forgot about that thing? Which they'd never learned before. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then later I realized what I'd done. So anyway, I was kind of burnt out from teaching and knew that I needed a break and felt like when I went to ID Tech and I was able to do the leadership thing to portures, which I felt like would be the next step, I realized it was using a lot of the skill set that I already had from teaching, but applying it in a different way. And then it was a place where I could continue to learn more things that, mm. while not brand new, would be like new, new to me and could help me grow in ways that I was interested in. Like, how do I best communicate with people? How do I, you know, like lots of questions that I had about life in general. And so, so yeah, that that was kind of what I discovered when I went to, when I did the directing job was like, okay, yes, I can use, like continue to apply what I already have learned about teaching. And a lot of that in like supporting teachers who have never, Mm -hmm. maybe never taught ever in their lives, just maybe not kids or (laughs) very, very, very rarely interacted with kids can use that <laughs> um, to support them and learn more about leadership and support. Right. Because previously right. in my life, I always did thought like leadership wasn't a thing I wanted to do because I had a different idea about what leadership and management would look like. And once I realized like, oh, no, this is like, this is like teaching plus. 
I actually do like this, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right, right, like, right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so you take this job in Austin. You do a leadership role with them. It does have a, a shift for you where you've decided, okay, leadership is offering me a little bit of a break, <laughs> a well-deserved break. <laughs> and, and you moved on to a role and I don't want to spend a whole lot of time here because it wasn't like the most positive experience. Right. right. Um, uh, but I, 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 I knew you through that experience and, and we talked a lot during that time. And I, I just wanted to know, is there anything from that time that you'd like to share or so, something that you learned from that experience? I think that the biggest thing that I learned about myself was that I could be like continue. I could be the leader that I, the type of leader that I wanted to be for Mm -hmm. my teachers longer term and for more teachers, you know, ID tech, it was like eight teachers at at the preschool. It was 15. Um, And then I helped manage another 15 or so because I managed the upper preschool because I was able to build a really supportive environment with, at least with myself and the teachers that I helped. And I helped to do that also with the other assistant director, because unfortunately what had been happening before was the only time that the director or assistant directors went into the classroom was when something was wrong. So, and that wasn't, that wasn't supposed to be our job. Our job was always supposed to be to be in the classroom. like, helping the teachers and, and supporting them and that kind of thing. And so the first, I don't know, two, three months, maybe every time I went into a classroom and I was doing this every day, (laughs) uh, there was one teacher in particular who would be like, what's wrong? Like every time. Mm. And I would have to be like, no, nothing's wrong. (laughs) I think it's fine. (laughs) Like, I'm just wondering how you're doing. (laughs) Is there anything I can do for you? Like, you know, and the, one of the things that kind of broke my heart in leaving was one of the teachers was saying that she had been talking to the director and saying like, I'm worried about what happens when Rachel leaves, because as long as Rachel, Rachel's here, I know everything's going to be okay, but I don't know what's going to happen when she leaves. Yeah. 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 And there was still, I definitely like, there was a lot more ways I wanted to grow as a leader and like things like that. I'm not saying I was a perfect leader, but I think it gave me like, no, I, I do know what I'm doing and I can, I can keep doing this if I want to not here, right. but yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it, you know, it's clear that you took this opportunity to leverage your years and varied experiences as an educator to, to build yourself into a, a leader in a workplace. Right. right. Um, and I think that's something that people so often don't understand about people who've been educators, right? Um, they're leading your kids yeah. <laughs> like in the classroom. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, there are styles to that. There's understanding communication, understanding how to support large groups of people and people one-on-one, right? There's a lot yeah. of skills that come with educators that not every industry is so open to right. uh, when, when an educator tries to pivot out of that industry. Um, I'm used to seeing it cause I worked with 
ID Tech and right. ID Tech loves <laughs> people. Who, ID Tech's like, oh, you're an educator. We have a management role for you. <laughs> we know what you're about. Um, and there are other companies that do that, right? But it is hard, I think, um, for some companies to realize that. And I really hope that your experience alone um, can maybe illuminate somebody out there yeah. <laughs> yeah so okay so you've leveraged your your teaching experience you've moved in you've decided mm-hmm. you know leadership is is something that you're going to continue with and then all of a sudden you're looking for work again now you're 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 at an aerial <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> um so I, I mean first off like aerials are you know, popular, right? They're, yes. I, I think, you know, people are really attracted to this. They're beautiful to watch. It's exciting. It's a, it's a really great workout, right? So yeah. it gets attention for a variety of reasons. Um, what drew you to the aerial position? Was it you needed a job or was there something specific? Yeah, initially it was that I needed a job, right? And I was like, no, I want to explore sure. this. And I, I knew through a friend, the director of Sky Candy, and knew mm-hmm. some people who taught at Sky Candy, the, the aerial studio. Um, so initially it was like, okay, yes, I, wanna, I would love to explore this. But once I got there and worked with the person who at the time was the program director, I was like, oh yeah, this is totally what I'm about. Like the way you're talking about mm-hmm. teaching, the way you're talking about empathy and teaching and empathy with the students and... Like this is, yeah, this is exactly the type of, like, this feels like a really good fit for me. And also like, you know, this person who was the director was a social worker. And so I felt like I could learn a lot from her as well. Um, Mm. So it felt like a good environment to be in, you know, while I was, and also that I could continue doing even after I found a more full-time job, if that was what I ended up doing, right? Like I can still teach even when I'm, and right. I, I do in fact still teach now, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but yeah, so, so that was kind of, so like initially it was like, well, it's movement oriented. I've worked with kids. Seems like this could fit. But then once I really got to talk and like experience some of the youth program, I was like, yeah, this seems, yeah, I like this. This is, this seems like a good place to be. Right. Right. And again, like, I think this is a moment of like, things coming together, right? Because Mm -hmm. within Sky Candy, which is very movement based, right? It's a very physical art form, um, maybe a sister to dance. Um, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) right. Um, yeah. So, so we have this, this particular art form that you are familiar with, at least to a certain degree. Right. Right. And then, then opportunities start to open up for you with curriculum and leadership and planning programs, right? right. Um, so we've like pulled all of those pieces that you've been building <laughs> all these years and, and they've converged into this one spot. Would yep. that be accurate? Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, I made it pretty clear that like if, if anything like that ever opened up with everybody there that I would love to like continue to pursue that and continue. I was even informally supporting like some of the, like some of the people in leadership at the time. Um, Cause you know, it's, it's, it's hard to get training in leadership and a lot of people don't know where to look for it. And I'd have some yeah. of that, not a ton, but some. And so I had things to kind of offer to that conversation. Um, and then as a result kind of ended up 
yeah, in a director position. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. I mean, did that feel like the stars were finally like aligning for you or? It was a really nice, it, it kind of, I loved being an nature adjunct. It was not as good just pay wise and like time wise, but <laughs> as a like full-time lecturer, like it was a really nice mixture of like movement and writing and teaching and, you know, kind of all of the things. And this, you know, the job at Sky Candy felt very much the same that it was yeah. a night, like it was a great convergence of all the things that I was interested in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So you spend your time there and then it sounds as if something a light bulb goes off, right? Like, wait a minute, <laughs> short of opening my own <laughs> aerial studio. Like I where not am I do. going? <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate all the people totally that do. There. I that is not a skill set I am at all interested in. <laughs> <laughs> right. So so then it's like, okay, well then what's next for me? Right. And and some people might not relate to that, right? I, I think you know, that speaks to your drive and your ambition. And as a friend of yours, just also my knowledge of of how much you focus on your personal growth and development Mm -hmm. and that does stretch over into your your professional world right Mm -hmm. um okay so we go from you have this job you're in a director role at the aerials and then now you're in a boot camp like walk us through how we got here (laughs) uh yeah when I was kind of thinking about so you know I've been doing this leadership thing for a little while and I wouldn't say that I was like burnt out of leadership but I was starting to feel a little bit tired again I didn't feel like I was finding as many opportunities to recharge for myself as I had before Mm. um and so I was kind of thinking about like okay what what other things might be interesting that I could kind of start from the bottom, but still be able to pay my bills, right? Because that's the reality of things too. Like, gotta, yeah, got to got to pay rent. Cats got to eat. You're not an heiress. I've been thinking this <laughs> all these years. <laughs> Rachel. <laughs> oh, you're right. I am. Why am I even doing this? <laughs> I'm doing any of this. Duh. <laughs> um (laughs) yeah you know uh, my cats would have been angry if they couldn't eat anymore so uh I you know kind of thought back to I was like oh man I remember like I was remembering like being at ID Tech and being like oh this JavaScript thing's kind of neat and then remembering Mm -hmm. back further to like oh yeah I remember that horoscope program to the terrible one that I did uh (laughs) I remember really liking that I don't remember a lot about it except that I really liked it but that might be an area to pursue, right? And so mm-hmm. I got an app on my phone. It's like called Grasshopper or something. And you can like learn some JavaScript. And I was like, oh, this is kind of interesting. Yeah, let's hmm. let's pursue this. Um, and talk to a bunch of people too. Like I have a lot of friends that are software developers. Um, about like, do you think this is possible? You know, am I going to get hired? Because <laughs> <laughs> I love learning, but also, again... My cats need to eat, so and I need a lot more if I'm going to be a crazy cat lady, so got to figure out how to fund that. Uh, and, you know, I got a lot of like, well, it'll be hard and it'll take a while. And I was like, well, hard doesn't really deter me, but is it the kind of hard that I want? Is it, you know, 
So it was kind of from there just being like, well, this is a place that I really haven't explored. Mm-hmm. That's interesting to me. I'm going to do this boot camp thing. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, the boot camp that I went to actually had a money back guarantee where if you didn't have a full-time job in six months after graduating and you fulfilled all these other requirements, they would refund your tuition. Mm-hmm. And so it felt like, okay, this isn't like, it's, I'm still going to be using my time. I'll probably need loans to live off of for that, you know, six months or year, whatever it is. But, but in terms of investments, <laughs> it seems like, a good one. And if it somehow right. just doesn't work out, at least it's not getting another grad degree. It's not getting another undergrad degree, right? It's like right. a lot less. So it seems like the best of all of the different worlds I would be thinking about. So mm-hmm. that's kind of how I ended up there. So were there other avenues or other areas that you were looking into? I mean, obviously programming with ID tech being a semi-recent experience might be in your mind, but was there anything else that you were exploring during this time when you were making a decision? I, yeah, actually, which is where kind of like the grad degree thing comes in. I had also been considering going to law school Hmm. or potentially into social work. But when I, well, the idea of law and the, because for those two, I really felt like I wanted to be making a more direct impact maybe, right? Mm. Um, in some way. And law and social work felt like two ways I could do that with interests that I, that I had a little bit of, right? I like helping people. I like development. So, you know, social work, I, you know, um, law is really interesting to me because there's like so much of it and like figuring out the different arguments and like backing it up it's like more of that process stuff but when I looked at (laughs) one how much law school costs and two how hard it is to get a job I was like well this is still interesting to me but maybe maybe not right uh and then anytime I thought about social work I just felt tired and I was like okay I'm not even going to school for this and maybe that's not the thing I think it could be really important. So I kind of, so I I ended up going towards programming because it felt like as a developer, I would be able to do work that I liked, Mm -hmm. make enough money that I might be able to donate my time or even money to things that I really cared about to make an impact, you know, being able to help my friends when they need help, being able to, you know, have the, have the income to do that. Friends all over the country. It's not easy for me to help in person uh as as a dancer (laughs) you know (laughs) flights are expensive like again the cats have to eat so you know uh (laughs) like what what kind of career would I still be excited about that would give me those opportunities yeah and that was yeah software development seemed like the way to go for a lot of reasons but those are some of them Mm -hmm. right right so all right. So you go through this boot camp, and and you shared with us, right? There's this kind of money back guarantee thing, right? <clears throat> mm-hmm. You finish your boot camp. When did you finish for listeners? <laughs> I finished in oh, like like thirteen months ago. No, wait, it's December. A year ago, almost exactly. I finished a year ago. I finished uh, within the six months that was required. Mm-hmm. the full stack mm-hmm. development but yeah a year ago mm-hmm. and and since we pre-record uh for people's reference right oh, it's right. 
December 6th yeah. <laughs> of 2020. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Okay. So you finished in December of 2019. Yes. And unsuspecting like the rest of us <laughs> and what 2020 <laughs> had in store. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> you, you kind of lead into the new year with like this new accomplishment under your, <laughs> your belt. You're like, I'm ready to take on my <laughs> next chapter <laughs> as a developer. Yep. And then what happens? So I was fortunate enough in the beginning that I had already, I was going to be working for, once again, ID Tech, uh, doing some programming stuff. Um, So, and I was making like, okay, money doing that. But I say that fortunately, because I was not working while I was doing bootcamp. (laughs) And um, (laughs) when I was laid off, because of, you know, the pandemic, I was able to qualify for unemployment, which was great. And then I was like Mm -hmm. focusing on just applying for... I was able to focus just on applying for jobs. And I finally got an internship with Dark Owl, a dark net like search engine kind of data collection um, company. It's an internship, part-time internship that started, I think I got the job in May and it started in June. Mm-hmm. So it took six months. And I was applying for jobs as I was working for ID tech in January. I was applying for, for the boot camp. I had to apply in order to get the money back guarantee. I had to apply for a minimum of 10 jobs a week and do, I think it ended up being five virtual events a month. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Something like that. So I've been applying the whole time. It's not like while I was working, I wasn't applying or anything. So yeah, got a job, got my internship there. Um, you know, during the pandemic and, (laughs) um, and then, yeah. And then, and then, uh, that was a set period of time. It was like six weeks, I think nine weeks, no, three months. What is three months? 12 weeks, 12. Thank you. (laughs) Math is hard. Apparently. (laughs) Um, Yes. I'm a software developer. (laughs) I know math. I know math stuff. That's what calculators uh, are for. Yeah, exactly. I'll write a program that does it for me. I don't. I don't. I don't need to do math. Uh, um, yeah. So, like, you know, three month internship, and that was a set period of time, mm. and then it was back on the job hunt again. Yeah. And let's see. Let's see. That ended at the beginning of September. And then I was fortunate enough that by the beginning of October, I started my current job, which is as a front-end software developer at Keat Health. I have a funny story about this time <laughs> and our like paths <laughs> crossing. Okay, um, so so I had decided to to start recording this podcast around that time, right? Like September, right. October, right? And I had asked you to do some sound editing right and then like you get this job offer like within days of me (laughs) asking you to do this right and then so and I'm like yeah no big deal like because it's it was that didn't stress me out right what gets funny is then I asked Tigger Uh-huh. The very same day that you're like, I just, I can't do it. I've got this job. Right. And I was totally excited. For it. Sure. So Tigger calls, I, I'm like, Tigger, can you be my sound editor? Right. Cause he's done some sound right. editing. Right. right. 
the very next day, he calls me and he's like, hey, so I know that someone just got a job offer and like had to say no to being your sound editor. <laughs> he's like, but guess what happened last night? <laughs> he was like, I got a job offer for a job I never applied to. <laughs> and I, I like started telling everyone I knew that needed a job. <laughs> I'm like, let me hire you. <laughs> I prom- Don't even worry if you know how to do sound editing. I promise you. You're just going to get a job. So. <laughs> this is so going to happen for you. <laughs> Tigger, you should be listening because Tigger is actually my sound editor. <laughs> we worked out a, a deal and he's kind of working both jobs right now. <laughs> But, uh, hey, Tig, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I really thought I had, like, the winning lottery ticket of good mojo. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like it. If I need a job, I really feel I'm like going to ask you to hire me again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, I sound okay. doesn't work. I need a job, so. <laughs> All right. Um... Okay, so, so pandemics happen. Uh, you've gotten, you did an internship, and now you've gotten this job offer. How's the job going? You're a few months in. Yeah, it's great. Well, not really even a few. Two. That's two. That's okay. A, a couple, I guess. A couple. Yeah. <laughs> um. Good. Yeah, I really like it. I'm enjoying it. I really. It's giving me the kind of like quote break from leadership that I was looking for, which I still really like. And I still in like, what do, what do they call it? Man, manage from below. I can't remember what they call that. That's not right. But I still try and create the kinds of environments that I want to work in for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but it's nice to not be in charge for a little <laughs> while. <laughs> yeah. 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 What does the future hold for you? That's always like a kind of a hard question for me, but I think, I mean, I want to buy, my plan is to work in software development for a while. There, it seems like there's a lot of things I could do. Um, yeah. I, I might want to go back into management, manage a team. Um, I might want to go more into like the tech side of like learning more about like specific technologies to be like an expert in those I'm kind of open to both of those things and I just kind of want to see where I'm going there's just I feel like there's so much to learn that's one of the things that I love about this field it's like always growing and changing yeah Yeah. clearly you have had a number of interviews in your past Um, (laughs) yes (laughs) because even if we only count every job (laughs) you've had (laughs) Um, uh-huh. do you have any, I mean, I, I would, I would dare to say that you are probably an interview expert at some <laughs> level, just by the sheer number of interviews you've obviously been on. <laughs> so share with our, our listeners, right? Cause I'm listeners are, are often people who are either interested in pivoting or trying to pivot. Um, do, do you have any career advice or interview advice? 
I'm trying to think of something that doesn't like sound too trite. Be yourself. No, I mean, that's true. <laughs> but like, what does that mean? <laughs> right? <laughs> like, I mean, yes, you should definitely right. be yourself, but um, like probably don't, you know, like I wouldn't like, be myself, but I'm probably only going to talk about my cats a little bit. In an interview versus if you're my friend, you will hear about my cats all the time, you know. So (laughs) I think things that have really helped me in terms of just interviewing in general is if it's a, especially if it's a job I really am interested in or that I want to get, there's a couple of things that I will do to prep. One is I will research the company and Hmm. make sure that I have at least six questions that I can ask them uh, that somehow pertain either to the job, to the company, or to me working in the company. So in my specific field right now, things that I would ask would be, how do you support your junior developers? Mm -hmm. Because that actually is important to me, right? Like that, I want to be in a place where I am expected to grow and learn, and that I will be supported in that. And if Right. That's maybe not already set up. Right. So it's not like, it's not a question that I'm asking. That's just like, oh, that's a question people ask. It's like, no, this is actually important to me. And so Mm -hmm. kind of figuring out like what's important and asking questions about it to find out what, what people have to say. And sometimes not a lot, (laughs) sometimes a lot. And that that says a lot about the company too. Um, But it also means, it also says to the interviewer that you've like thought a lot about what kind like the job that you want to get next. And right. Um, And that's important. And then I also try to, if I can, research any of the important people that will either be in on the interview and see what I can find. Um, That might be a connection with them. That's not just about what technologies we know. Like uh, there was a couple of people I've seen that have had like somehow mentioned a cat. I'm like, okay, cats, I could talk to you about cats at least a little bit, you know, or like, <laughs> right. oh, I see that you, you talk about basic on there. I did that. That's really bad horoscope yeah. program. I can talk about that, you know, just <laughs> trying to find, see if there's any kind of personal connection that I can make or, you know, with, with Keith Health, you know, we're doing a physical therapy app. Like I've been to physical therapy. Their app is mm-hmm. like, I, when I looked up what it does, I was like, I really like the mission here. Cause I've been to physical therapy. I've been to doctors <laughs> and this sounds like it would be a great improvement. Not that any of my doctors or physical therapists were bad. Just that like, Oh, this would be actually super hell. I wish I had had this app, you know? <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> sounds like a great idea. Um, so yeah, kind of, I guess the, the overall thing there is like making personal connections, whether that's like through the people there or, through their app or through the kinds of questions that you ask that helps you see what they're like and in turn helps them feel like you are actually really invested. Right. Right. When, um, I I think there's, there's kind of two parts here that I'm going to dive into. Uh, So part of it is I, there are a lot of people who might look at your work history and be a little confused Right. Um, yes. Uh, you know, if they're sure, just sure. looking at the, <laughs> the whole thing on a piece of paper. Right. <laughs> and and if you haven't pivoted the way that Rachel does um, and, and a few of our other guests on the show or like myself, right, uh, you might be a little bit unaware that we curate what you see based on what we're trying to do. 
Um, so Rachel, I, I was hoping you could share or illuminate people a little bit about how you do that and what that process looks like. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So <clears throat> for instance, um, I guess when I'm interviewing for, when I was interviewing for software development, I made sure I make sure I always make sure that I tell the story about the Commodore 64 when I was 12, because even though I've had a lot of other jobs, it shows an interest in software development from when I was young. So I put that in right. my cover letters. Right. I put that, you know, when I'm talking about, when they ask me like, who am I? Who are you? I always make sure that that's there. If I were, for instance, going to go back for a university job, I would not include that like a dance job. That wouldn't, <laughs> right. They don't care, <laughs> you know? Um, <laughs> I focus more on like when I'm talking about myself or when I'm working on my resume, I focus more on some of the tech related things that I've done. Uh, I focus mm -hmm. if it's something that's not tech related, I focus on how um, it might lead into tech, right? Like, like the Commodore 64 Transferable thing. skills. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So, and like, um, and you know, I knew I was going to get the question, why are you doing tech? Like, why are you changing from like you've been a dancer, sure. you've been doing all these things. Like, why are you doing that? So I really thought through, like, why am I doing that? Um, and then, you know, it was like, yeah, I felt like I'd gotten as far as I could. And that's something that people understand. So mm -hmm. that was the reason, but I also tried to, I worked to make it mm, <laughs> edible. It's not the word I'm looking for. What's the word I'm looking for? Con like cons relatable, relatable, consumable to people. Um, mm -hmm. like word it in a way that would make sense to people yeah. in the, in the tech field. Um, and just in terms of why I'm doing what I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, and then I also tried to like, really say like, yeah, I've done curriculum development and programming is a lot like that. Like you got to break everything down. That's what you do when you develop curriculum. You got to break it down. Um, mm -hmm. you know, like figuring out ways that like my previous things, again, like you're saying, are, are they relate the transferable skills like what are those what's the, like base thing mm -hmm. and how do I talk about it so yeah I think that's that's what I have right now yeah <laughs> <clears throat> um you've done a number of pivots how are how do you prepare yourself for a pivot good question I think I've really only been conscious of doing that or like consciously done that I guess is the way like I've only really in the past like maybe this last time with going into mm. software development um and honestly it's probably like the biggest identity change as well I mean not that it changes who I am but um, yeah. Uh, so I think a lot of like self-reflection, a lot of really making sure that this is the right path. And like, how do I do that? I write in my journal. I talk to people about it. I try it, uh, you know, all of those things mm -hmm. to make sure that I am good with not only what it means in the moment, but what it might mean for the future. And that I do really feel like it's the right or at least the right for right then path to take even if it is hard or even if it is some of those other things that this is really I mean because boot camp was not easy like I was getting up at 5 a.m I had blocks of time every day 5 a.m to 8 a.m like 
10 a.m. Mm-hmm. or no, it ended up being 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. But originally it was 5 a.m. to 8 a.m., then 10 to 1, and then 2 to 5. If I didn't get mm-hmm. one of those blocks in, I would do a, like, 6 to 9 in the evening. Still not. It was not easy. But kind of knowing that it was the the correct move for right then and keeping the end goal in slate probably the biggest right. things yeah 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 would you say that this this pivot to your current role and pursuing the boot camp was your biggest or most challenging pivot yeah I would actually. Yeah. Um, and in a lot of ways, because it, while there are lots of similarities and I really do believe in those similarities in terms of how people see me, Hmm. people see software developers and even myself, right. As very different from educators and artists. Yeah. So and that's not necessarily bad or good. It depends on who you are and what your value system is and how you see those things. You might see them as equal, you know, but they don't seem to fit in the same field. So not only was it like, oh, I'm having to learn like super brand new skill sets, obviously, mm-hmm. new languages, you know, uh, <laughs> I'm also like emotionally going into a different space. Yeah. There are going to be different people there, different types of people because it, to a degree, tracks slightly, attracts slightly different people as well yeah good people all of them but different different cultures different yeah I've had this um at points in my in my (laughs) pivot history I'm curious if you have where kind of what you're describing but I even have dove into like how do I want to show up in a room with my new set of peers Mm. what how how do I want to present myself in this new new environment did you go through that although i guess you don't go to work right now because we're nope. <laughs> virtual no no <laughs> um, yeah i think not this time i haven't as much as i have in the past uh hmm. But I do feel like I still haven't quite found the groove with where I am now. I love all the people. Don't get me wrong. Um, But, you know, I'm the only currently the only software developer in a group of like 10 at this company. Mm. So we're like in stand up and there's a product person and in data intern who are both also women. But I'm the only woman. Right. So I'll like make these kind of like half jokes or be kind of goofy and don't get much of a reaction like one day you know so half of my head is shaved and the other half is like long hair so one day I went because I wanted to wear my hair in a ponytail and I couldn't quite figure out how to get it looking okay so I ended up doing this like side ponytail like I was from the 80s and so when I went to stand up you know they're asking how I was and I was like yeah I'm just rocking the side ponytail today it's pretty great I feel like I'm back in the 80s you know and yeah yeah <laughs> and it was just kind of like silence you know crickets uh, yeah <laughs> That's awesome. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so in that sense, not so much. But I do, one thing that I do find interesting, and I don't know if this is about how I present myself, but is that, um, and I kind of like it, is that I? it's a field that I am super new in. I kind of mentioned this before. Um, but like education, dance, movement, all those things 
are very familiar to me. And even when I wasn't the director, I was still um, kind of an authority on them in a lot of the spaces that I was in. Mm. And I am not in programming. Like, <laughs> I'm just not. And that's okay. I don't feel bad about that. But it definitely means that, like, I do a lot more research before meetings. I mean, I've always done research before meetings, but I, you know, or before I ask a question, I do a lot of research to make sure I'm asking it in a way that's going to give me the kind of information that I need or, you know, whatever. So, um, right. But for me, that's less about presentation and more just about like how I'm approaching things. Um, mm -hmm. being literally very brand new to a very different field. Uh, and while a lot <laughs> of my skills and things transfer, maybe the specifics don't as much. Right. So, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just love it. Uh, you know, Rachel, thank you so much for your wisdom, your insights. And gosh, she's just so good with words. Her articulation of, of her experiences of I just, ah, God, I love talking to you. Thank you so much, Rachel. I miss you. Let's catch up soon. We need to do also a follow-up with Rachel. Uh, we'll definitely be keeping an eye on her because, you know, she's one of those people, uh, like we've had so many on this show uh, where, you know, anything could happen and we're here for that and we're excited for that and we are cheering her on. So Rachel, keep doing your thing. We're so excited for you. Let us know if there's anything we can do for you. Guys, um, those who are listening, if you know someone that we should interview, let me know. Reach out to me. Um, if you can like, subscribe, share, um, follow us on Patreon, be a subscriber on Patreon, patreon.com slash pivotmasters. Actually, certain tiers of our Patreon members are now getting some special little gifts from us in the mail. So yeah, check out our Patreon page and the member benefits of our Patreon subscribers and see if that's something that you're interested in. Again, we just, we really appreciate all the support that we've been getting and, and um, yeah, and everyone's kind of outcry of love. It's just so, so deeply appreciated. Thank you so much for listening. I know this was a longer episode, but I had a hard time cutting, um, cutting Rachel because she just really had so much insight to so many different, uh, industries and, and, um, experiences that I, I felt like it was very valuable information. We just had to keep it. So, um, yeah, thank you so much, everybody. You have a great day, and we'll be back again soon.